Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Pipeline Superheroes podcast, where we feature the best and brightest in B2B SaaS and how they got to where they are. Today, we have Jason Lee, two-time founder and CEO, most notably founder of Ternary, a, a cloud-based platform. Um, tell us what it is and how you got into it. Yeah, so a little bit about Ternary Developments. We are a uh, B2B SaaS platform that allows mainly the creator economy to centralize their customer data, um, but also integrating to different platforms to allow for monetization. Um, we specifically focus on Discord, um, and a little bit about the history of how we kind of got into it is um, a little of my background. So um, prior to my entrepreneurial journeys, I used to work for a company called Salesforce. So at Salesforce, um, I used to work there for just about seven years as an engineer. And towards the later parts of my career there, I used to work from home, have a lot of downtime, and I ended up just kind of day trading on my own um, and really kind of getting into the whole stock market and, and so forth. Um, but as I was doing that, I had a lot of my close friends who kind of saw what I was doing and started asking, hey, you know, could you show me and teach me a little of what you're doing with, uh, you know, Thinkorswim and Robinhood and all these other trading platforms out there. And so it went from me deciding to teach a few to start teaching a few more to then deciding that there was enough interest that I could create some sort of business around this. But I didn't really quite know where to start. And what I did was I started with social media and creating my first Instagram channel, um, which we called Option Swing. Um, with that, every single day, I just posted my own content and education. And um, in our first month, organically, we grew to about 1,000 followers. And then in our second month, we grew to about 2,000 followers. And at that point, I started getting a lot of questions and DMs about Discord. Hey, do you have a Discord server? Do you have a Discord server invite? Um, and Grant, are you familiar with Discord by chance? I am. I've used it for, I've, well, I hopped in some of the famous uh, stock market in the summer of 2020 or in the fall of 2020. Oh, yeah. um, I also, you know, go there for sports talk, but uh, yeah. Exactly. And I think that's one thing really important that you said there is not only are you going for, you know, financial kind of topics and, and that world, um, but even things like sports, right? And that's, I think the beauty of Discord as a whole is when I was getting the same questions in my DMs about, hey, what's your Discord server and how do I get an invite? At the time, we didn't even have a Discord server. And at the time, I didn't even understand why people were asking me about Discord because um, I just knew it from uh, a very basic level that video gamers used it to some capacity, I think, voice chat at the time. So really, as I looked at the platform, though, from an engagement platform perspective, you can do text, you can do video, you can do audio, you can live stream classes in there you can build enough value inside of a private community that you could justify charging a membership for this. But then came the other side of the equation, which is how do you actually go about doing that? How do you take someone from your website, taking them to a checkout screen, collecting and authenticating that payment and sending them directly into a private Discord server and allowing them to apply all the permissions based on what product they purchased. And then ultimately the end of the life cycle, which is also how do you remove that user out of the server once they've stopped paying and canceled their subscription? So at the time, I kind of looked to see what was out there, and Patreon did half of it, where they did the payment processing, but they didn't quite do the Discord integrations, so it required a bunch of other bots to have to integrate that. So now I'm taking two, three, four different solutions, rigging it together to try to create you know, the process that I need. Um, I looked at some other competitors out there, and a lot of them were what we would consider bot-based processes meaning as soon as you join, you have to talk to a bot in order for you to get access, whether it's copying, pasting your key or any of these kind of interactions. But again, when you think about 
people that are signing up for your service, let alone it being hosted inside of Discord, most people will likely have to create a new Discord account because they're not Discord members already. So when you start adding in all these hoops and these steps and making it more and more complicated, having to talk to a bot, et cetera, it just creates a huge customer support issue because ultimately people will purchase, not have the right access, get confused, and then reach out, you know, asking for help. And the problem with scale is, you know, when you're trying to scale a company and you're trying to grow as, as fast as you can, if at the same time your customer support cases are infinite, you know, exponentially growing and you're spending three, four hours a night just dealing with post-sales tasks, then there's no way that you could possibly focus on scaling your business because you're being bogged down. So that's when mm -hmm. I ultimately decided that it's better with my salesperson knowledge to develop a platform in-house. And so I took a developer who actually ended up becoming our CTO. And together we built this kind of platform and launched Option Swing as a business. Um, and this was probably back in 2019 of August. So right before the pandemic hit and everything like that. Um, but the beauty to it was um, not only did we have a good six months of runway to establish our brand uh, before launching, but when we uh, did launch, uh, we went from zero dollars to a million in ARR in 10 months. And in our year and a half marker, we hit 1.5 million in ARR. Um, and roughly to date, we're right around four and a half million um, in total revenue that we've done. But all of this was driven by this platform that we built in-house that's allowing us to scale this business. And it was at that point that I realized not only is this helping our business with Option Swing, but there are tens of thousands of communities, whether it be sports communities, uh, sneaker communities, e-commerce you know, communities, et cetera, that can also benefit from using a platform like this. So I inevitably ended up creating a second company, Ternary, which is kind of what we have today. Wow. That's, that's really amazing that, you know, like, I think that is the story of a lot of really great SaaS products is, you know, there was a need, there were some developers from some specific set of experience. And I think what's really fascinating about your story and what, you know, what you've just told us is that like the discord community inherently is democratized in that someone, anyone can start it based off an interest. Like, you know, I love the golden state warriors. I could create a golden state warriors discord and talk about it all, all day with fans that you can find on Twitter or whatever other social media. But, you know, that being said, the person, you know, who can be an average Joe or Jill that uh, creates a discord community might not have the context of, well, I need a CRM. If I'm going to have a B2B platform, I guess it's more of a B2C platform. Um, I need these basic workplace and um, customer relationship tools. And a lot of people don't even know what that is. I think, you know, um, I always have conversations with friends that are outside of tech and they sort of know what Salesforce is. They know about the tower at least. And they know that, you know, the tower sometimes has funny stuff like Sauron's eye on it. Um, yeah. But like, you know, they couldn't really tell you what a CRM is or maybe they're still on Outlook or whatever it may be. Um, and like, you know, all of that to say that like, while like to maybe to people like you or me, the CRM is a really big, you know, hegemonic technology not a lot of people know like how or when to integrate that into their product. Um, so really curious, like how you approach that, because it's sort of a B2C product in so far, like that the discord community of admins and creators are their own individuals and how you are able to present your product, which is ultimately a SaaS platform. Yes. So fantastic question. And there's quite a few things that you've identified there. That's a challenge naturally in that space. First and foremost is the lack of, infrastructure and technology knowledge overall. Because when you think about the creator economy, we're not talking about CEOs of Fortune 500s who are creating you know, followers and followings and wanting to create communities who already know 
you know, how to run these kind of major businesses. We're talking about people ranging from 18 years old all the way up into 50 year old, you know, year olds, um, sharing passions, you know, at the end of the day, hobbies and skills, you know, with others. So when it comes to the challenge of great, you know, I know I want to create a server, but I don't understand, you know, one, how do we even get customer data? Because one of the inherent problems with Discord is it does not give you any customer data. It only gives you a display name. Um, so it could just say, you know, JL123 gives you a profile picture and that's it. You know, so there's no segmentation. There's no personalization. There's no email address collection. There's no ability to you know, segment, personalize, use attribution to tag folks, you know, based on how they're signing up or what they're opting into and so forth. So again, all of these are very, very complex kind of at the end of the day, like, um, you know, skills and things to do in a business, but most of the people, they don't know where to start. And so you then kind of get into the other problem, which is also kind of what Salesforce has solved for, which is kind of back in the day, um, you need a CRM for sure to centralize your customer data. And for those who aren't familiar with CRMs, um, CRMs are customer relationship management platforms, meaning um, all of your customer data can be stored there, whether it's their uh, you know, purchases and invoices tied to their cases, tied to an email campaign that they were a part of, you know, tied to all sorts of essential areas of the business, but it's bringing that customer data more or less to a single place. And again, when you think of the creator economy and the solutions that are available today, it's all point solutions. You have, you know, Venmo and PayPal for payment processing. You have Excel spreadsheets for CRM. You have Gmail inboxes for customer support case management. You know, and again, you're just taking three, four or five different tools and trying to rig them together and launch a business and scale a business. And it's just most people don't have that technical prowess. So when you can mm -hmm. create a B2B SaaS platform made for that B2C use case, but you're allowing business owners or community leaders to be able to get CRM and case management and service management and marketing and you know so forth all under a single roof under a single platform, then all of your data is also in a single place. And there's no need to you know export, import, manipulate, anything like that, because again, all the, the data is in real time, you know, in, in a single silo. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. I appreciate the expository on what a CRM is. I think I maybe unfairly assume that this entire audience of these folks know what a CRM is, <laughs> um, but it's always worth explaining as well. Um, so curious, like, like you know, there's a, there's a couple of like factors here, and I'm not calling them contradictory, but what I'm picturing is like, you know, you have what we're trying to like talk about is like, how do you bundle and combine products that the creator economy needs? There's payment, there's customer relationship management, there's communication, there's outreach, there's, you know, a host of sales and marketing tools, um, you know, which are probably more driven by B2C social channels, such as Instagram or TikTok, I'm sure is huge, especially in the retail investing community. Anybody that spends any time there knows that that is a massive part of TikTok for better or worse, depending okay. on the quality of the content. But I'm curious, like, if you found any interesting, like, either, like, um, congregations of tools where people come and, like, sort of find that out and or any partnership opportunities, you know, I don't think that um, retail investing has hit that realm where, like, you know, big companies will want to have uh, financial advice accessible to uh, their employees and will do so there's like the B2B2C model that you see so frequently in SaaS. Uh, but just curious how you think about that, because, you know, um, you don't really like, I mean, with the B2C product, you necessarily rely on, you know, I have this product I'm marketing to you as an individual, but I'm wondering how you can unlock pools of like-minded audiences in the creator economy. Um, and, you know, I'm sure this will be very relevant for anyone selling to the creator economy. 
It, yeah, 100%. Another great question there. Um, so essentially, the way that I look at the social media landscape as a whole is you have kind of on one side of the spectrum what we would consider audience-based communities. This would fall into kind of the TikToks, the Instagrams, the Twitters, um, and so forth, where it's kind of one to many. You know, you have a single channel, you're hitting as many people, as many possible people as you can, um, and ultimately it's a one to many relationship. But really, it's acting as a storefront. It's the ability for people to peek in, see what your channel is about or what you're doing, and then from there decide whether they want to follow or click the link in bio and so forth. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have what I would consider community-based platforms. Um, so those could be something like Twitch, um, Discord, Slack, you know, and those kind of things where there's still social media platforms in a way, but they're more community-based and community-oriented, um, where you can have more kind of one-to-one -one type, you know, interactions, engagements. So a lot of like the kind of strategy is one, um, especially with expansion for Ternary, we do try to hit as many of the audience channels as possible because it's the way to kind of exponentially increase our reach to more eyes because there's a lot of folks, especially nowadays with the tough economic conditions, that people are looking for additional streams of income. Um, they are kind of concluding that, you know, the primary main job income can barely, you know, meet the, the expectations and the needs of day-to-day -day life to, to begin with let alone, you know, if, if there was like a secondary stream of income or a third stream of income, that would greatly ease the burden, you know, every every month and every year. So I start I started seeing, you know, a lot more people who have very professional main jobs, but have been doing these kind of side projects, hobbies, skills, passions, whatever it may be, kind of on the side, but have naturally kind of grown a small, if not large kind of community around it. Um, and then from there have decided, you know, they want to kind of push and monetize. So um, what's really cool about this entire space is kind of the partnership opportunities and the collaborations that occur. Um, and as much as you would almost think that, you know, especially even in the financial community space, um, you know, there may not be as many opportunities, especially with the sensitivity of, you know, giving away financial advice when you're not a licensed financial advisor and all these kind of things. Uh, what's really interesting is that um, a lot of the corporate kind of enterprise companies understand that retail investors are almost the future of kind of where they can drive more revenue. Because um, a lot of these institutional kind of organizations, we'll call it, focus really on just the B2B aspects, the other institutions, the other firms, you know, and so forth. Um, whereas there's this huge, especially with like post-2020, you know, and COVID and the huge like surgence of interest in, you know, retail investing in individuals investing on their own, um, it's created a lot of amazing partnership options partnership opportunities. And one example is even through Option Swing, um, there's a very famous person named Peter Tuckman. Um, he is one of the oldest traders who are, who's still sitting on the uh, New York Stock Exchange floor, um, who you know still actively trades every single day um, on that floor. And I had the opportunity to actually go out there twice now um, to see the opening bell ring, um, as well as meet other traders on the floor, as well as continuously establish you know, more relationships in that space. But again, it's just incredible that you know, in my entire life, I would have never thought that I'd be stepping onto the New York Stock Exchange floor to watch, you know, someone ringing the bell. And now I've done it twice. So it's just these kind of opportunities that you never think, you know, would happen inevitably come to pass when you're doing the right things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think with retail investing, like, um, 
I, I wonder, like, you know, I love to talk about B2B SaaS growth here, but also curious, like just your outlook on the retail investing market, because while it's had its moment, I've seen that it's sort of leveled out in the percentage of, you know, trades worldwide. Um, what do you think is the next great moment for retail investors or investing? Great question. Um, it's, it's tough because I think the facade has slowly died away. I think the initial facade that was created is that get rich quick. You see the GameStops of the world where people are making absurd amounts of money on absurd multiples, you know, and a lot of excitement came from that, especially kind of towards the beginning of 2021. But that really was the peak of, you know, the excitement of retail investing. And as you mentioned, it's kind of slowly died off from there. Um, what I think for the future is it's always a progression of what I would always consider crawl, walk, run. Um, and it's a mantra that I always kind of run all my businesses by too. But from a retail investing perspective, a lot of people try to go in straight sprinting, you know, trying to make as much gains as quickly as possible and ultimately got burned. Um, and so I think a lot of people are taking a step back and starting to kind of realize that I need to go a little slower. I need to maybe first learn a little bit more of what's even going on, especially folks who, you know, say, hey, you know, my options contracts have suddenly devalued. Why did that even happen? You know, and that's the worst, because if you don't even know why something's happening yet, negative things are happening, you know, it feels terrible and it's hard to correct. Um, but when you have the foundational knowledge of, okay, I clearly didn't do my technical analysis. I bought right at the top where it's a support line and now it's reversed because it's trending back to a, uh, or I'm sorry, a resistance line because now it's trending back to a support line. Again, I know that I should have waited and I should have waited where it was at a support to buy, you know, some calls, you know, so it heads towards a resistance. So mm -hmm. um, it's mm -hmm. little stuff like that where I think for the community as a whole, it's going to start phasing into more beginners, graduating into intermediates, graduating into experts. And obviously the pool of those people are going to be less and less as you kind of move up it. But the general goal is that I think more and more people are understanding that, you know, again, main nine to five job is not enough to necessarily support, you know, the financial needs of families nowadays. And when you have the ability to buy something at 930 in the morning and you turn off the app and you just do your day work and then right around 330, you check your account again and suddenly your position is up, but you literally didn't do any manual work or anything. You simply bought a position and held it. Um, that's truly how you can multiply your efforts without the need to, you know, take on three, four, five extra hours of overtime. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I also find that a lot of the retail investing platforms, whether they're educational inherently or are like the actual brokerages, um, they're experiencing that network effects of that social media, of those educational resources. So, you know, while there was probably a lot more signups and and eyes and clicks when, you know, GameStop's price was going wacky, I think it was able to, you know, give life to a community that educates a lot of folks in finances and especially, you know, something that was, you know, previously inscrutable and probably still is very inscrutable to someone, which is the stock market. And, you know, I think that like that, is really great. And I saw that you have this partnership with Valo Media to continue like, you know, really generating user generated content. Um, and I find that, you know, really interesting and, and we'll love to watch that as well, because I think that like, you know, it's one of those things that's like this big, scary, the stock market and how do you make money? And it, it seems like a casino to a lot of people, you know, they're, they're going up to the slot machine and they're spinning it. But at the same time, I think that like, to your point, there's a lot of folks in this country that you know, either want to make more money outside of their nine to five or have their money work for them that might be scared off and are, are missing out on something. Um, so really appreciate that element of it as well.
hundred percent. And just real yeah. quick to add there, um, that's why I feel that UGC is such an important element of what we're doing, because it's easy to create a static post. It's easy to create an infographic. It's easy to create, you know, screenshots and pull them together and so forth. But it makes it hard for people to relate to that. Whereas when you leverage UGC, which stands for user generated content, mm -hmm. and you allow people to see other real people talking about whatever it may be, again, it just humanizes everything you know, at, at the end of the day. So um, there's such an importance when businesses are looking at scaling and creating a brand identity to look at all aspects of the social media and marketing side of the house versus just one area like tweets or just static infographics or, you know, what have you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, by ways of wrapping up, thank you so much for your time today, Jason. Is there anything you'd like to promote or anybody in our community that you would be interested in meeting uh, as an archetype? Um, no, not in particular. I just want to thank you, Grant, for having me on this uh, podcast. Um, I do think that uh, kind of what we we're talking about earlier, I think one of the biggest and most important things for any aspiring entrepreneur is to listen to these kind of podcasts. Um, as many as you can, and just to hear as many stories as you can. Um, mm -hmm. One is because it makes it real, right? Because I think a lot of people have great ideas and have a lot of intentions to want to do things, um, but they just need that little extra push. And a lot of it comes from being motivated and hearing other people's stories and being inspired by it. So mm -hmm. um, just like, you know, the Pipeline Superhero Podcast, you know, um, and many others out there, just really, you know, learn and listen and ask questions and engage because that is the quickest way, you know, you're going to be able to really change your life. Absolutely. Well said, Jason. And thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Grant. I appreciate it.